can have a seat. Uh, kids, go ahead and head on out. Kids through youth, go ahead and head to Kids Barn. And as they're doing that, I would love to introduce a man who does not need an introduction. Uh, Ira Cunningham is here with us this morning. And Ira, we really appreciate you being here. Yeah, absolutely. Give him a... I've spent limited time with Ira, but I've savored every second of it. Thank you for your labor for the Lord that you have done and you continue to do. And we're really thankful that you're here with us. So thank you. Thank you, Dallas. And thank you all for being here. We are going to be talking about prayer this morning, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, and we'll spend just a moment in chapter 10 of Hebrews, but uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, just pray. Coming up this Wednesday night, uh, we're going to have some missionaries with us, uh, David and Barbara Crossman. Uh, they are missionaries from Moldova, which is right next to Ukraine, and they have lived there for seven years, and they have ministries in Moldova and ministries in uh, Ukraine, and so they're going to be with us on Wednesday night sharing what's going on there uh, in Ukraine, and as all of those refugees have come through uh, Moldova and and. Poland and Romania and all of that, and they're going to share just the, the powerful things that God is doing in the midst of all of that. They've seen God's hand move in such marvelous ways in all of that, and they'll be sharing that with us uh, on Wednesday night. They go to our church. In fact, they are in my life group. Um, so know them, you know, very well and knew them before they, you know, went over there full time uh, seven years ago. So anyway, interesting people, I invite you to come. Uh, six o'clock we eat and then seven o'clock David and Barbara will be uh, sharing with us. Don't miss that. Just pray. God wants us to pray, right? I mean, we understand that. God wants us to pray. In fact, he invites us to pray. And the passage we're going to read today, you know, a lot of us are familiar with it. It talks about us coming to the throne of grace, coming into God's presence and just coming to the throne of grace in prayer. Come into the presence of God, you know, and, and pray. And the privilege that we have as believers to be able to go into God's presence and talk to him. I mean, it's just, what an awesome thing. What a privilege. God wants us to pray. He invites us to pray. It helps us to pray. Just pray. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then, we have such a, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus is our high priest, he's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, let's hold on to our profession of faith, what we believe, let's hold on to that, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with us, he understands us, with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, Jesus is there, the right hand of the Father right now, and he, he gets us. 
He's been tempted in every way, just like us, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Help us to be thankful for it. Help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Under the Old Testament sacrificial system, the high priest could go into the presence of God once a year. Once a year, the high priest went into the presence of God, the symbolic presence of God. Nobody else could go. The high priest went once, one time a year on the, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. He went one time a year in there into the presence of God. The other people, you know, everybody else, nobody had a chance to go into the presence of God. It was just the high priest that did that. And he did it in the temple. <clears throat> in the temple, the innermost room in the temple is called the holiest place or the holy of holies. And in that innermost room of the temple, the presence of God dwelt. And so that holy of holies, that holy place, it's got a boundary on the outside of it. There's a curtain separating the holiest place from the rest of the temple. And then, you know, you have the, you know, the holy place, then the, you know, the temple courts and, and such. And, but it's separated by a great curtain, a thick, big curtain. There was a barrier. And so once a year, the high priest would take the blood of an animal, the blood of a sacrifice, and he would walk through that curtain into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, okay? Into the presence of God, and on behalf of the people, he would offer that blood as a sacrifice for them instead of them in their place. He would offer that sacrifice. And the high priest would ask for God's mercy on the people. He would ask for God's forgiveness of their sins. He would ask for, for God's, that God would cover their sins. And the people are on the outside, you know, and they're, they're standing way back there. They don't see any of this, but they're on the outside and they're being repentant. I mean, they're sorry for their sins and, and they have this sorrow for what they have done wrong. And, and so this is heartfelt for them because, you know, they're standing back. And so year after year, the high priest did this. Once a year, Yom Kippur, he went into the holy of holies into the presence of God once a year, year after year, on behalf of the people asking for God's mercy. Into God's presence once a year, that's all, year after year after year. When Jesus died on the cross, the moment he died on the cross, this all happens in Jerusalem. The moment he died on the cross, the temple is in Jerusalem. Jesus died just outside of Jerusalem. The moment Jesus died on the cross, that barrier, that curtain that kept everybody out from the presence of God, that veil, that curtain split from the top to the bottom. The moment Jesus died. 
because his sacrifice for us, for our sins, opened the way so that we all can go into the presence of God. We can go into the very presence of holy God. Before this time, before that curtain was split, the common person like us couldn't even imagine such a thing. But now we can walk into the presence of God by faith in Jesus Christ and his blood and the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. Number one, if you're keeping notes, realize you have access to God. It'll help us to pray when we realize that we can get to God. We can go into the very presence of God. Jesus opened the curtain and he invited us in. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4. Since then we have a great high priest. That's Jesus. The high priest in the Old Testament system, sacrificial system, he would once a year take the blood of a sacrifice, walk through that curtain into the presence of God and ask for forgiveness of sins. Jesus, our high priest, passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, he passed through the heavens on the way to the presence of the Father, the very presence of the Father on our behalf to open the way for us so that we have access to God. We can go into the very presence of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a, a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Jesus opened the curtain. You have access into the presence of God. Just pray. Just pray. Not yesterday. But last Saturday, our grandson, Job, and three of his friends went to one of the Florida springs. And so they're floating downstream, and they, they go quite a ways downstream, and they're teenage boys. And they spotted a big cypress tree over on the side of the spring, crystal clear spring running through. And this big cypress tree had a limb that came out over the water. Teenage boys don't know why they do it, but they have to do it. They have to find a tree, and they have to climb out on the limb and jump in the water. We don't understand, but I, I, I was there. I, you know, I, we used to do those. I mean, you know, you have to, as a teenage boy, you have to climb the tree. You have to find the tree and climb it and jump into the water. And so they're climbing the tree, and they're jumping into the water, Job and his friends. Well, as they're doing this, one of Job's friends... Uh, Graham Fisher, uh, we know him. He played football with, with, uh, with Job. We know his parents. He fell out of the tree and landed on a cypress root, a cypress stump, a cypress knee. You guys know what that is? It's just a root that sticks up out of the ground. Th this high that one was, about that tall. He falls out of the tree 10 feet, and he lands on this cypress root. Well, he's injured severely, and he's in trouble. They know that. They're trying to get him back upstream. So finally, they get him back upstream. He is life-flighted to uh, the University of uh, Florida Hospital in Gainesville. 
when they got him on the plane and on the helicopter and Job was free, we got a call. And to pray for him, to pray for Graham, just pray for Graham. We didn't know, we just knew he was severely injured. We didn't know if it was a head injury, a spinal injury. We, we had no idea what it was. We just knew that he was injured. And Toby and I were home and we're, we're in the living room and on the couch together, within seconds of getting that call, we went into the presence of God on Graham's behalf. We had access to God. We didn't have to wait for a certain day to pray for Graham. We didn't have to call somebody so that they could help us pray for Graham. We were able to do it ourselves. We walked right into the presence of God on Graham's behalf with tears and began to pray for Graham. And we asked first that God would spare him. And then we asked for these other things, you know, for, uh, for Graham. We had the privilege, since we have access to God, heard Graham was hurt, I, I'm scared for him. We went to the one who made the water in the spring. Yes? We went to the one who made the cypress tree. Yes? Say amen. We went to the one who made the boy. And we went into his presence and we said, God, do something. God, change something here for him, for Graham. Realize you have access to God. This is what we have every day because of the blood of Jesus. He opened the curtain for us so that we could go through the curtain into the presence of God. Just pray. Well, it took us a while to find out that day that um, Graham had broken ribs, collapsed lung, some other things, uh, but he's a teenager and, you know, four or five days in the hospital and he came home and he's not going to be comfortable for a while, but he's going to be okay, you know, and we praise, we praise the Lord for that. We have access to God. Use it. Just pray. Number two, hold on to what you believe. The author goes on and the writer of the Hebrews goes on and says, since we have a great high priest like Jesus, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast our confession. What we have confessed that we believe about God, hold on to that. Why wouldn't we hold on to that? We can go right to God. Why wouldn't we hold on to what we believe? Hold on to what you believe. Hold it fast. Grab hold of what you believe. We're not grabbing hold of our salvation and holding for dear life onto our salvation. We're just keeping our faith from... from uh, meandering our faith from wavering hold on to what you believe well what do you believe what do we know some things and there are many but we know that God's real we know that God's real we can pray to him because we know he's real right you know hold on to that hold on to that that's being challenged today God's not a myth he's not a drug that makes us feel better about life and about our God is real we know that hold on to that God loves us we know also that God loves us unconditionally he loves us unconditionally. we can't do anything to make God love us more we can't do anything to make God love us less he loves us unconditionally hold on to that hold fast to that confession we also know that God hears our 
prayers. God hears our, when we pray, God hears our prayers. And we know that God answers our prayers. Don't let, don't let the enemy convince you that God doesn't answer our prayers. Don't let the enemy talk you into that. Don't let the enemy tell you that your prayers don't matter. Don't let the enemy tell you that, that you're not good enough for God to hear your prayers. Don't let the enemy tell you that, that God doesn't love you enough to hear your prayers. Don't let the enemy tell you that, that your God does not exist. Hold on to what you believe. If we don't believe that prayer makes a difference, we're not going to pray. Amen? We are not going to pray if we don't believe that it makes it. Hold on to what you believe. Don't waver. Prayer keeps our faith from being shaken. Number three, go to the throne of grace. Just go there. Just go to the throne of grace, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Because of that, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Go to the throne of grace. Jesus sympathizes with us. Look, Jesus came for us. He came to earth for us. He left the glory of heaven and he came to earth and took on a human body for us. He did that for us. He came for us. He also became like us while he was here. When Jesus was on the earth walking around, he experienced the same temptations to sin that, that we experience. And it kind of blows us away to imagine this who is 100% God and 100% man that he experienced everything that we experience but that's what the Bible tells us he experienced and because of that he understands what we're going through he understands the temptations to sin he understands our problems he understands our weaknesses Jesus understands our frustration our betrayal, when we're betrayed, Jesus understands that. He experienced physical pain in that body. He became like us. He experienced grief. He cried real tears. He experienced disappointment. Jesus was abused while he was here. He became like us. And whatever we're going through, he's experienced that already. He was despised. He became like us. And also, he is for us today. God, Jesus is with us today. He is for us today. Right now, this moment, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, advocating for us, interceding for us, taking up for us. Okay? Taking up for us. When, when, we're, uh, when we're going through something, you know, it's good to have somebody to talk to right? Somebody who understands us. And I, well, some of you, you're unique. 
you're unique and maybe a little difficult to understand, you know, but I hope that you have somebody, a friend that you can talk to or a counselor that you can talk to, but I'm telling you, you have Jesus that you can talk to. You can go through the curtain into the throne of grace and someone is waiting there who understands you, who sympathizes with you. In all of our craziness, Jesus understands us. He understands it. Go to the throne of grace. He's there. Our personalities, he knows. Our moods, he knows. He knows how we handle things. He knows our complete history. We don't have to go back and tell him the whole thing. He knows everything that's ever happened to us. Just pray. He is for us today. He's with us today. So, as a result of that, verse 16 let us with confidence draw near. Go to the throne of grace. We need to draw near with confidence. We need to go to the throne of grace. We need to go through the curtain into the presence of God with confidence, with boldness. We don't need to go and, and we don't have to go and be timid about it. We don't have to go and be shy about it. We don't have to go and be scared about it. We are to go with boldness and confidence into the presence of God. One of the greatest hindrances, I think, to our prayer lives is that we don't feel good enough to pray. We don't feel like, because we know us, we know what we've done wrong, we, we don't feel like we're good enough to actually go into the presence of God and pray. And so we don't have confidence. And so we won't go in there because we're not confident. We know what we have done wrong. You know, we, we know all about that. And the result of that is, is that we don't pray. We just don't pray. We don't go with confidence, and we don't pray at all. Folks, the, the confidence, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. This confidence, it's not confidence in ourselves. This is confidence in Jesus and what he has accomplished for us on the cross. This is confidence in Jesus that what he did on the cross for us was sufficient to open that curtain and allow us to go into the presence of God and have access to God and have a relationship with God. We have confidence in Jesus that what he did was enough. It is the right thing for us. But we don't go because we're ashamed of the way we've acted. We're ashamed of the, what we have done, and so we, we don't go. We don't pray. It's a lot of the reason that we don't we don't pray. We don't go with, with confidence. We need to understand this. When we sin, when we do something wrong, God doesn't close the curtain on us and say, you can't come and see me. God does not close the curtain and say, you can't come in here because you're not good enough. When you straighten up, God doesn't come to us and say, when you straighten up, then you can come to me. You can come and pray. When you straighten up, you can come in here. He, that's not the way that Jesus opened the curtain. It, he opened it for believers permanently. We can go with confidence into the throne of grace. And what do we, what do we get when we get there? Continuing in verse 16, that we may receive mercy. We may receive mercy. So we go to the throne uh, of grace with confidence but in humility we go in humility when we realize what it cost Jesus to open that curtain for us 
what it cost Jesus for us to have a relationship with God. When we think about what it cost Jesus to split that curtain and allow us to go into the Holy of Holies, allow us to go in there, when we think about that, it ought to bring some brokenness and some repentance in our lives. That's what it should bring. When we think about how awesome it is what he has done for us and how great it is that he sacrificed for us, that he loves us that much, it ought to overwhelm us every day that he would love us that much. And so we're glad to go into his presence, even if it means that while we're there, we go through the curtain to the throne of grace, and while we're there, we may improve. God may deal with us with some stuff. You know, but what a privilege it is to go. We're to go in humility. Uh, But we're prideful. Uh, We are selfish. And so we had, we had rather hang on to our anger for someone than we had had to pray. We'd rather refuse to forgive someone than pray. I don't mean to beat you up, I'm just, I've been living with this two weeks, so join me, you know? We, we need to humble ourselves, and it's pride that keeps us from doing that. Whatever it is, whatever our pet sin is, whatever our harmful habit is, you know, you know what you've been doing, you know, and it keeps us from going into the, going through the curtain into the presence of God, it keeps us from going, you know, to the Uh, throne of grace we need to humble ourselves again it's not that the curtain is closed is that we won't humble ourselves enough to go in there because when we go in there we receive mercy he forgives us we receive pardon when we when we get there we'd rather hang on to that pet sin we'd rather hang on to our lifestyle we'd rather do that as pray We think we're too busy to pray anyway, right? And when we say we're too busy to pray, and when we think that, we probably wouldn't tell somebody that, but when we think that, I, I just hadn't, I hadn't had time, hadn't thought about it, hadn't had time to, to, to pray. You know, what we're, what we're saying is that we're prideful. We really believe we can do this by ourselves. If we can do it by ourselves that we don't need him. We don't need to go through the curtain into the throne of grace, into the presence of God. We don't need to do that. We're too busy. But when we get in trouble, all of a sudden we find out that we have time to pray. All of a sudden we find out that we do need him after all. And so we go to him, right? Do you you see this? Do you see what... What happens? In humility, go to the throne of grace. We're we're to draw near with confidence and we're to draw near in humility, bowing ourselves before him. Humbly going through the curtain and presenting ourselves to God to receive that mercy and that grace that helps us in time of need. We need to be praying. We need to be praying for each other. This, This sounds... Well, I don't know how it sounds. But when we decide that we'd rather hang on to our lifestyle than pray for our children, we'd rather hang on to our lifestyle and keep living the way we're living than 
pray for our friends who are hurting. I'm just sorry. When we'd rather keep doing what we're doing and keep that habit going and, and that lust going and those the, wherever we, you know, we let our minds go and you know, what we're, you know what we're involved in, we let that go. We know it's disobedience to God, but we'd rather do that as pray for our church, as pray for our schools, as pray for our nation. We'd rather hang on to this because it keeps us from going into the presence of God. Not that the curtain is closed. Is it just that we won't humble ourselves enough to go through the curtain into the very presence of God? And the privilege is here. Just pray. Just, just pray. I'm telling you, I, I, I pray for you guys, and I need for you to pray for me. And there's people all around you. They need your prayers. They need for you to be praying. You need to be praying for your own problems. You need to be praying for your own issues. In fact, it's to this throne of grace that we are to go and pray for our enemies. Ooh. We're to go through the curtain to the throne of grace into the presence of God and pray for our enemies and those who despitefully use us. Ooh. To the throne of undeserved favor, we go and pray for our enemies. That's what we're told to do. That's what Jesus commands us to do. Right? This is where, this throne of grace, this is where Paul and Silas was in, in uh, Acts chapter 16. When they were beaten, arrested, put in prison, put in shackles at midnight. Everybody thought they were in prison, but they weren't in prison. They were at the throne of grace. Do you see? And because they went through the curtain into the very presence of God, because they went to the throne of grace, the ground began to shake, and the shackles fell off, and the prison doors opened up, and people started asking, how can I get saved? How can I get Jesus? I, I want some of this. I want to be able to go to that place that you guys have been going to. We talked about the last time I was here a month ago, but in Philippians chapter 4, you know, instead of worrying, Paul tells us instead of worrying, we need to pray. What do we need to do? Instead of worrying, we need to go through the curtain into the throne of grace, and we need to let our requests be made known to God. We need to tell him those things that we were going to worry about. So instead of worrying, we leave worry outside. We go through the curtain, and we tell God those problems. We tell God those things that make us so anxious. We go through the curtain, and we tell him those things. And Paul says, and then when we turn around and we come back out and we leave through that curtain, that we've got God's peace with us. What a deal. This is what we get to live with every day, all the time. Do we understand this? Everything changes at the throne of grace. We change at the throne of grace. People we're praying for change when we go to the throne of grace. Everything changes in the presence of God. Just pray. Just, just pray. Number four. Simply receive mercy for the past and grace for the present. Finishing chapter, uh, verse 16, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The idea is here is that 
that we find favor to help us when we need it. It happens when we need it. It doesn't happen, happen too late. It happens when we need it, in the time of need. We find grace to help in time of need. We receive mercy. We receive mercy because, and we need mercy because we're sinful, and we need forgiveness, right? We need to be forgiven. We need pardon. We receive grace because we are weak. You are weak. I am weak. And we need strength. So we need that grace. We need support. We need counsel. We need direction. And so we go in through the curtain into the presence of God to the throne of grace to receive his undeserved, unmerited favor that God puts on us so that when those needs are coming up in our lives that we can do what we're supposed to do and be obedient to God and follow the will of God. What a privilege. And so we are not burdened by the past because we are forgiven. No matter what the past looks like for you, and I, and I've, I struggle with mine, but no matter what the past looks like for you, we are not burdened by the past because we have been forgiven. We have gone through the curtain to the throne of grace, and on the way there, we receive God's mercy. We go to the mercy seat, and he pardons us for all of that. That is all behind us. That is all gone. We're not burdened by the past because we are forgiven. That's the reality. Don't let the enemy convince you of anything else. We're not threatened by the present because we know that God's grace is sufficient. Paul talks about it. Lord, I wish you would take this pain away from me. I wish you could take these things away from me. And Jesus said, oh, Paul, you don't, you don't need for them to be taken away. What you need is you just need grace. You just need grace. We're not threatened by the present because we know that God's grace is sufficient. We go through the curtain into the presence of God to the throne of undeserved favor. No matter what it is that we are facing, no matter what it is that we're going through, God's enough to help us. He's got it. We're not frightened by the future because we know that God holds it in his hand. We're not frightened by the future, by tomorrow, because we know that God holds it in his hand. He tells us, I've got this. You do today. I've got tomorrow. You need to loosen your tie and relax a bit. I've got tomorrow. You don't need to be bent out of shape about that. I've got it. We are not frightened by the future because God holds it in his hand, and he will hold us by the hand. When we go fishing offshore, which I've not done that much, been doing that much lately, but when we go fishing offshore, I often have a little issue. Uh, I end up, instead of fishing, I end up hanging over the side of the boat, looking at the water. I get seasick. I'm really bad for that. I'm really bad for that. And my fishing buddy, Eric, um, many of you know him, you know, he calls me up and he says, hey, we, uh, tomorrow looks like a great day. We're, we're going to, you know, let, let's go out. And I'll, I'll look on the marine forecast and then I'll see what the, the actually going to be like out there tomorrow. And, you know, he says, oh, it's going to be smooth. And, and it says three to four feet. And I'm like, 
I'm not, goodbye, I hope you enjoy your day out there. I'm not going because I get sick. I get seasick, and that's a serious sick. Have you ever been seasick? That is a sickness. Oh, my goodness. That is a sickness. I've tried every remedy, every old wives' tale. I've tried all of that. Whatever you, whatever you would suggest to me, I've already tried it, and it doesn't. I spend a lot of money for an electronic watch-looking thing that shocks my wrist and go out there and I hang my wrist over the side as I'm do. One thing that I can do that helps me, though, is I can, while I'm in the boat, I can look at the horizon. If I can keep my eyes up and I can look at the horizon, everything around me is moving. The water's moving, the waves are coming. The boat is moving around like crazy, you know, and there's a conflict between my eyes and between what my body is feeling, what my eyes are seeing and my body is feeling. But when I look at that horizon line, it helps. It doesn't always prevent it, but it helps me because it gives me some stability. I look down and it's moving. Nothing is staying, nothing seems solid, you know? Everything, everything is out of control. But I look at the horizon and it stays right there and it does not move. I think prayer is like that. We look down, we look around, everything is moving, nothing seems solid, nothing seems stable, but we go through the curtain to the throne of grace in the presence of God and all of a sudden things settle down for us. Do you see? Do you see that? It brings stability to our lives. Don't not do it. Just pray. Just pray. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the privilege of prayer. I thank you that you receive us, that you, through the blood of Jesus, accept us into your presence. You allow us to come to you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege. Lord, help us, help us to do it. Help us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to be willing to come to you in confidence, believing, knowing that you are the one. You are the only one we need. Thank you for your love and forgiveness. Thank you for the hope that we find in you. Lord, help us today to make some decisions of obedience for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.